Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gunna Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at GunnaGeekNetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, it's time once again for the Oscars. Can Birds of Prey continue DC's success? And is Drew McIntyre the answer for the WWE? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He's our own bird of prey from Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, his awesome podcast, Topicocalypse, and his book, Congratulations, You Suck, which you can get today on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Birds of prey. Go, go, go. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really heard much about it. I haven't read the reviews yet, so I'm not too uh, keen on what's going on with that. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I am excited to watch it. Well, I will give you some enlightenment along with everybody out there on the update on what's going on with it as we head into its first weekend out in theaters Go ahead and give an update on that, and plus our thoughts on whether or not it should become a film that will continue the line of success for DC. Is it going to be another R-rated comic book success for the movie industry, or will it go ahead and see some hard times coming up this weekend? Plus also as well, we're going to be talking about Sam Raimi. That's right, a name from the past in the directing circles that a lot of people love so much he may be coming back in a big way. So we're going to be talking about that coming up here in a little bit. Plus also as well, our picks for the Oscars. Which performances do we think are going to go all the way this year and grab that gold statue? We're going to go ahead and share our thoughts on that coming up at the end of the program. But also our guest today talking about the WWE with all the issues going on there. Their stock is dropping. Their finances are not where they're at. There's talk about revamping the WWE network. All those issues, all those problems, there's a lot going on with WWE, but the guys from the heavyweight chumps are also going to stop by to talk about some of the things that they're doing in the ring, and as Drew McIntyre, the future of World Wrestling Entertainment. We'll talk about that and more coming up later on in the program as well. But first, my friend, it is Birds of Prey. 
it is out this weekend to theaters and the box office and all that. It's projected to do right around 50 to 55 million this weekend domestically here and add in another 60 to 75 million dollars worldwide. I think it's going to do a little bit better than that because we have so we already seen the R rating for a comic book movie that is no longer a block or hindrance because as we saw with the Joker earning over a billion dollars worldwide going to an R rated comic book film isn't that much of a big deal anymore. Yeah, I mean, the, the R-rated films we've seen thus far, because, I mean, Harley Quinn is trying to be uh, DC's Deadpool, but, I mean, before that, the R-rated films that we have seen in the uh, superhero genre have been more serious, right? Like, Logan was the first one to do it that really was popular with people, and it was it was, it was was good, right? And so now this, you know, we're, we're at this weird point where our R-rated superhero films going to be more comedy-oriented, or are they going to be action-oriented? And it feels like, um, you know, Birds of Prey is kind of leaning towards the comedy, pop culture type thing that Deadpool captured, as opposed to, you know, something like Logan. So can the formula be repeated outside of Deadpool? I don't know. I mean, I haven't read any of the reviews, but what are your thoughts on it right now? I, have, I mean, I'm sure that you've been following the stories. Oh, yes. And I've been following a lot of the reviews. And right now on Metacritic, it's right around 60 to 65. Uh, actually, you know, it, that's okay. Um, some of the reviews have been really strong. Some of it has been very passe. I'm right now thinking that it's still something I want to see very much because it looked very intriguing to me, uh, you know, in the lead up to it. It's something that I think a lot of people are very interested in as far as some of the DC factor. Because of the fact that, you know, people are now having a, a renewed faith in what Warner Brothers and DC are doing after several success stories. Mind you, Shazam wasn't really one of them, but even that is getting greenlit for a sequel. So a lot of good things are coming DC's way. So I think a lot of people have faith right now in DC making these films, whether they're a PG-13 or an R-rated film, good enough for audiences. Again, the reviews are kind of mixed, but... You know, I think a lot of people are going to go ahead and gravitate towards it because, like you said, this movie sets itself up along with the reviews and the, and the inferences. It looks very much like a female version of Deadpool, along with a heavy mixture of John Wick style action, because one of the unit directors on John Wick was a major part of behind the scenes for this film. So I expect excellent fight scenes, very, uh, very photogenic as far as from a comic book standpoint. And also, if you're into that Deadpool style, now, mind you, it's not going to be ha, 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 laugh, laugh, laugh out loud to the extent that the original Deadpool was. She's actually going to be narrating quite a bit of the film as far as what's going on from her perspective. So I, I think, like, in that nature, if you're, you're very much into what was going on in Deadpool, I think you're going to go ahead and have a good time watching it. I just, like I said, it's been getting some favorable reviews by a lot of sites that I've come to know, like IGN and some others. Mind you, there's some also reviewers out there in order to get the 60 to 65 have not been reviewing it well. But I think for the most part, people are going to go ahead and shun the reviews on this one and go out to theaters. I think it will exceed expectations. I think it'll hit right around uh, maybe about $60 million or more. I'm hoping for that because it just it sends a good sign that people want to come back to the theaters for something We've already seen Bad Boys become a success at the box office. I'd like to go ahead and see Birds of Prey 2 make it 
another big movie this year already in 2020 that's going to hit with audiences. You know, I do want to watch it, but it's not something I'm like in a super big hurry to go out to the movie theaters to see. Uh, you know, and I don't know if that's just the poor taste that uh, Suicide Squad left in my mouth or if it's just the idea that like I'm not as big of a Harley Quinn fan as everybody else out there. So I don't know. Uh, you know, maybe that's that has something to do with it. But I just in, you know, I think a big part of it is I haven't been really interested in superhero movies since Avengers Endgame came out, you know, especially since Spider-Man was kind of lackluster. So maybe these are all factors contributing to it, but it's also very possible I, I would sit down and watch them just be blown away by it. This might be something that I'll wait to watch on like digital or Blu-ray or something. Are you going to go out to the theaters to see it? I most likely am. I think it's something that I've just been waiting for a film already so far. Bad Boys obviously was very entertaining, Bad Boys 3, but I've been waiting for another movie like this now for weeks to come out. I will just say this. It's just going to be nice to go back to the theaters for me, so that's why I'm going to go ahead and see it. Because next week for me, there's not really that movie that's reaching out and, and just saying I got to go see it because Sonic the Hedgehog, among others, is there's going to be quite a few movies coming out next weekend, but none of them really grab me. I think for right now, Birds of Prey looks to me probably the most appealing of the lot that's coming out within the near future. Because I don't want to have to wait until James Bond comes out or anything in March. I really want to go see a film. I'm getting that itch. I've been watching some of the movies that and catching up on that I couldn't see over the holidays because they're just starting to go ahead on digital. So I want to go ahead and catch up in the theaters and, and try and go ahead and see a movie. So if I'm going to make some time in the next couple of weeks, I think I'm going to go ahead and make it for Birds of Prey. So I think it probably will go ahead and for the most part, please audiences to the point where I think it will be another decent hit for Warner Brothers. Let me ask you this. Do you think as an R-rated uh, comic book film, the second one in a row from Warner Brothers, do you think this will reach the same heights of the Joker? Because there was all the controversy and, and all the things that were going on with Joker that, that gave it even a bigger lift at the box office. I'm not sure it will reach those same heights as the Joker, but I do think it's going to be something that Warner Brothers will be proud of in the end. I don't think it's going to be received as well as Joker. Like, again, there's nothing that I've seen in the trailers that has made me really want to watch this film. And, like, it feels like another uh, Suicide Squad to me. And I just, you know, I'm not too interested in that. So, uh, it, I don't know, man. Like, Deadpool, I think, did the, the comedy, the R-rated comedy thing right. I just I don't think that comparing the Harley Quinn film to Joker is really a fair thing because they're two different, completely different types of films. Comparing it to Deadpool? No, I mean, I, Joker? I to, comparing it to Joker, I don't think like they're two completely different types of films. So yeah, absolutely. Style wise. Yeah. Yeah. Harley Quinn's going for like the the ha ha laugh type thing, whereas the Joker is more like broody and, and dark. So. I don't really know, man. Like, I, I don't think it's going to do as well as the Joker. Will it do well with critics? We'll have to see. Is it going to become another Suicide Squad? We'll have to see. I don't, again, like, I haven't really read up enough about it to know, but it's possible. You know, I'd like to see an already con or superhero film that's kind of a little more serious than this, though. And I understand that, but her character by very nature is probably best suited for a lighter comedy type fare than making her into a serious character, which they tried to do in Suicide Squad, and that didn't work very well. I think if the movie makes about $500, 600 $700 million, 
then you could start talking about it being a success. I don't think it'll reach a billion. I don't think it has to. I just think it has to hit a niche where it's going to be successful. But with the China market right now all up in arms because of obviously what's going on with the coronavirus and all that and theaters and public places in many parts of China not being open because of it. But I think that would be an issue as well for a movie like Birds of Prey, unless it's going ahead and they'll go ahead and put it at a different point in time. Maybe they'll go ahead and and find some success there. But I think if the movie hits six, seven hundred million dollars, I think Warner Brothers would definitely consider this a success and continue what we were talking about before the Gotham City Sirens, which was originally what it was supposed to be with Poison Ivy and Catwoman. That's what it was supposed to be originally was Gotham City Sirens and then it evolved into this Harley Quinn movie. I think you will see a Birds of Prey 2 come out if it goes ahead and reaches a nice number. I think you will definitely see a Birds of Prey 2 come out. That's what I'm hoping for because the fact it just expands that world of Batman even more and it gives other resources and other interests for people lie. And also will let us know if Robert Pattinson's Batman is going to be something that a lot of people are going to be interested in when it comes out in a year, year and a half time. No, I agree. I, I just, I would hope that, you know, putting Harley Quinn out there like this is not going to make it so people don't take the Batman film seriously. You know, is it, it feels like it's kind of, cause that's just the nature of Harley Quinn's character, right? It's kind of just making a joke out of that DC world. So I would hope that it, it doesn't do that because right now Batman already has a difficult enough time finding success. This is true. And, you know, it's still up in the, in the air whether or not the Batman, the movie that comes out with Robert Pattinson, will be a success. I mean, a lot of actors have turned down the role of the supporting characters, the Penguin and whatnot. They've, you know, they've gone through a couple different various actors and trying to find a right mix for this upcoming movie. And, they're still up in the air as far as Robert Pattinson being a recognizable enough lead. Not a lot of people, when they were looking for the new Batman, were going to go ahead and in that direction and say Robert Pattinson was the guy. I think you and I both were taken aback when we first heard that he was being selected. I told you before, I thought they still should have given Ben Affleck should have been given another chance to get it if he so chose to do it. But uh, unfortunately, that wasn't going to be the case and how it ended up. So I don't know where this is going to run to because I think those universes should at least loosely tie into each other since it takes place in around the same area, Gotham City. I would hope that this uh, Harley Quinn film is not just another uh, film coming off the factory line, if you know what I mean. I agree with you as well on that. I'm hoping it isn't just another movie that's coming off the factory mill, but we'll see how fans perceive it this weekend at the box office. It is once again, Birds of Prey. It is out now in theaters We'll hopefully go ahead and give you an update on the Monday program, just how well it did, and just see if it's going to have a good future. And once again, another hit for DC and Warner Brothers. What are your thoughts out there on Birds of Prey? Are you going to go ahead and check out the film this weekend? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. PopCultureCosmos, Humanity Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, coming up next, we got the guys from the Heavyweight Chumps, Devin and Thunder Cookies. They're back on the show talking about the WWE and some of the moves that they're making in the ring can have fixed some of the problems outside the ring. We're going to talk about that and more coming up right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. 
for the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with the program. It's Gerald from the Pop Culture Cosmos coming right back at you here. And it's that time of the year. We're we're starting to go ahead right after the Royal Rumble for the WWE, get into pro wrestling for a little while. Pro wrestling starts to take a more of a center stage because on the horizon is their annual gala known as WrestleMania. And where the even the casual fans are starting to gain some interest in what's going on with the WWE. And here to talk about WWE and anything else they want to talk about within the realm of professional wrestling are two awesome guys who go ahead and talk the world of talk radio out there, whether it's pop culture, whether it's independent film, things of that nature. You got to go ahead and check out their show today at RadioMemphis.com. Also as well on podcasts everywhere you get them. It's the heavyweight chumps coming back again. Just so glad to have them here. It's Maddox and Thunder Cookies. Guys, it's just so great to have you back on the program. You know, I I think you have had us on more than anybody else at this point. Well, it's just every time you guys are a blast to have on. Sports Entertainment, a.k.a. Pro Wrestling, right now is in a kind of a state of flux. And I'm not sure exactly going in the right direction or the wrong one. I'm in the same boat you are as to knowing whether or not we're in the right or the wrong direction as far as, especially as far as WWE, I think you're starting to see them make some of the right decisions. At least I think we saw some of the right decisions on raw Monday night. Um, I think putting the opportunity. So, you know what? I'm a big fan of ricochet. So I cannot tell you differently on that one. I'm a fan. I just wish he could do something and slow himself down a little bit. Sometimes I think he's missing the psychological element of pro wrestling. Um, uh, actually, if he was given better lines to speak, the problem is what he's given as far as the, the usual banter and, and all that stuff. It, it's got to come from the heart. He's, this, the stuff that they give him is just, just junk. So his, his yeah, promos last, are really weak. Last night, it was last night. He was stumbling. stumbling. I think that's probably why, because you're yeah. trying to remember your lines. If he was just doing it from, you know, off the cuff, like, well, like almost what the past 30 years before back in pro wrestling, maybe it would be a lot better for him. But again, his talent, I understand as far as slowing down and, you know, a little bit more psychology is involved. But for him, this is probably going to be one of the highlights of his career because he is the number one contender right now heading into the latest attempt in Saudi Arabia for another big show coming up. So he's going to be facing off against Brock Lesnar. And mind you, we don't expect him to win against Brock Lesnar, but at least, you know, it's a step in a different direction for the WWE and maybe that's what they need. Yeah. I mean, you could be right. I think, and and much like you said about the promo, if you look at what they're letting Drew McIntyre do now, they've kind of taken the cuffs off of him. And they're letting him do promos that are more natural for him. And I think that's why the audience is really starting to connect with him. Or, uh, well, shall we call him, as he announced himself last night, the sexy Scotsman. And that's something I wanted to really ask you about is that Drew McIntyre, he won the Royal Rumble. He's someone who's never been really on a radar before. In fact, this is his second go around with WWE because his first stint didn't exactly end on a high note. 
he's uh, went through the indie ranks, went through Japan, actually made himself a name once again and came back strong. But is he truly the answer that the WWE is looking for? You're missing a stop. Oh, he is uh, a for he is a former world champion from Impact. Yeah, you know, can't forget Impact, you know, TNA Impact. Um, well, actually, you kind of can, can, you you can can, forget yeah. Impact at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, I haven't seen Impact since they left. Well, since they changed off a of pop network. So that's, you know, it's been a couple of years for me. But when your major outlet is Twitch, it's kind of hard to see them. Uh, yeah, and they got thrown off of Twitch for a week because of the RVD threesome angle they were trying to run. Uh, which I'm all for RVD being at the forefront somewhere and getting a good push because I think the guy, even at his age, is still a tremendous talent in the ring. But there is such thing as pushing the envelope just to push it. Back to Drew McIntyre, do you think he's the answer? Thunder Cookies and I have both been high on, on McIntyre since he came back. Uh, the funny thing is, and I think this is exactly right, if you look at all the three members of 3MB, you look at Jinder Mahal. He got fired. He went, got jacked, came back, won a world title. McIntyre got fired, got jacked, came back, going to get a world championship run most likely. If I'm Heath Slater, I try to get fired, and I go get jacked and come back. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the formula, I guess, on that one. You know, Heath Slater is still somewhere on the bottom of the card. At least he's got a job. You know, he's got kids. He needs that job. True. That is very true. But I know they're searching for answers. I mean, since we started our conversations, the WWE has lost probably about a million viewers. I mean, they've lost over 2 million viewers on average since 2016. So obviously they're trying to answer, you know, find answers. They fired not one, but two executives last week. You know, and, and that resulted in a hell of a stock price drop. Exactly. So if, you're look, if you're looking to invest in the WWE, now might be the time to go ahead and buy. You know, we talk about AEW on Wednesdays. They're averaging just under a million viewers. They've now pulled ahead of NXT by a you know a decent margin. If NXT is running a really loaded up card, they can go ahead and match up well on ratings on Wednesday night. But right now, on a week by week basis, AEW is actually leading NXT. Uh, you still have. Smackdown on Friday nights, which has gone over okay, but still it's not been the ratings bonanza that Fox obviously has been looking for. I mean, there's a lot of issues right now for the WWE and they're looking for answers. McIntyre, I mean, I like the fact that they're going with someone new and you guys obviously, you know, very high on Drew McIntyre at this point in time. And you're right. His promos have become a lot more, uh, I guess, substantial than what we're seeing from any of the stars right now. Seth Rollins, I think Seth Rollins has now become the point where, okay, we know he's there, he's a top guy, but been there and done that. Randy Orton, I, I've told you about Randy Orton before. I think he has the charisma of cardboard. So he, he's just a sheer, he's got the talent. There's no question or denying his talent, even as he gets into another stage of his career, but he's not gonna do it for you. They're trying to find some answers, and I really like the fact that they're going into a different direction than the same old, same old that they've been doing before. I, I think you're exactly right. And I think the sad thing, the state of professional wrestling as it is now, Wednesday night is the night that most professional wrestling fans need to actually be watching because that's when the matches are competitive. You're not dealing with a lot of promo work or 
some contrived, let's go sign a contract and start a fight kind of thing. Uh, although AEW has kind of gone back to a, an angle from the eighties where they took a spike off of Jericho's jacket and tried to blind, uh, John Moxley, AKA Dean Ambrose. Um, and of course we all remember when the road warriors did that to dusty roads in the eighties. Uh, and I'm all for them redoing things that are new. And it's funny because thunder cookies and I last night watching raw and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, or give me your input here cookies, but we were both watching it and going, you know, this really feels like Heyman's trying to redo ECW on Monday night raw. It, it really does. And you can, there's a lot of influence from, from him that you can see, I mean, getting McIntyre, his push, just everybody's got something to do. Well, you look at McIntyre getting his push. Alistair black has the potential in my opinion, to be kind of a new Raven. I could see that he, I see him kind of going in that direction. Heyman's high on ricochet. I think that's one of the reasons you're starting to see him really start to get a push. The Monday night Messiah thing yeah. feels like an, an ECW angle. I mean, if you think back to the, uh, angle where Raven actually crucified someone. And that's the reason that current angle didn't do business with ECW. Sandman. It was, yeah, it was Sandman. So, I mean, you're seeing that. And like we said on, on um, when we've done, we've kind of talked about what's been going on. And the one thing that we're happy about with the uh, arrangement they've got now with Rollins, with him being a heel and with AOP is we're happy to see buddy Murphy actually getting, a good rub on the main roster because buddy Murphy has been one of the best kept secrets they've had as an in-ring performer for yes. a couple of years now, pretty much the two Oh five live individual that had taken their two Oh five title for quite some time. And he's now migrated over to the raw roster and it is going to be good to see him getting that rub, whether or not he can parlay that or the WWE parlay that into being more than just the how should I say the group lackey for lack of a better term, the guy who does the jobs, does the pinfalls for, you know, in the tag events and all that stuff that you'll be seeing it, it hopefully it will elevate him in a much better role than what is on the table. Yeah. Right now of the four between AOP him and Seth Rollins, who do you expect the one that's always going to get the short end of the stick at this point in time? Yeah, it's going to be Buddy that's probably yeah. going to take the fall, or it's going to be one of the AOP if they're doing a multi-man tag would be my guess. But, I mean, if you think about it, they killed AOW, or they killed the AOP's real heat the minute they walked out there and they kicked uh, Paul, Ellering. Paul Ellering to the curb when they debuted. Because I think Paul Ellering was the mouthpiece that could have gotten them over huge more so to me than Rollins is going to be able to. Absolutely. But, uh, you know, the disdain for managers by Vince McMahon, and I don't know, you know, as you and I both know, there are certain individuals out there that could use the help of a good person that can just do the talking for them. Because as you see with Paul Heyman, a promo can make a world of difference for a character. Well, look at Paul Heyman and, and uh, also look at Zelina Vega for Andrade and uh, last night for Angel Garza. I would like to see her put together kind of a Latin or a Latino faction where she was the mouthpiece 
Uh, I could see that really being something that could work, especially as they try to kind of make a stronger foothold in that market, because let's face it, we know they're looking to expand into an NXT Japan. You would anticipate that they're going to look at doing an NXT Mexico at some point down the line. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that they're going to have to look at long term. I think that's something that they're going to have to go ahead and build upon because, yes, it is becoming the point where, you know, they're they're obviously flatlining or declining in areas here in North America, United States and Canada. Maybe they need to start looking even more beyond the NXT UK, the relationship that they have now. You know, NXT Japan, NXT, you know, other individuals, South America, other individuals and other places that they've been able to go ahead and start getting a reach from. You see all the entries to the performance center from all over the world that they're trying to go ahead and get some, you know, South America, China. You see you've seen all the individuals that have come across. Some don't work. Some may actually work down the road. So that's interesting to see where they want to go with it. At least they're trying. But the problem is much of their business is still anchored right here in North America and right in the North American television market. And of course they have that big deal with Fox that they made, you know, not only for the SmackDown show, but also as well for backstage and, and all the, the subsequent stuff that they're going to go ahead and coordinate with with Fox. That's a big concern. So as we head into the Saudi Arabia event coming up very soon, and then also after that, WrestleMania, what are the major hurdles that the WWE has to go ahead and come over in order to go ahead and try and gain back at least some? I'm not talking about a large portion of the audience because live they're going to go ahead and get a big bump. But when it comes to the TV and people coming back to the network and coming back to television, what are some of the things that they need to do in order to gain at least some of that audience back? I'm going to say they need to put over more younger talent and bring in more from NXT, freshen up the roster on, on raw. It's, it's gotten stale. It's you see the same people week after week after week, same thing over and over and over. You're listening to the pop culture cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Get ready for box art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. Well, once again, I'm on with the great guys from the Heavyweight Chumps podcast. When it comes to TV and the network, what are some of the things that they need to do in order to gain at least some of that audience back? Well, yeah, and when they did the switch to SmackDown kind of becoming the A show for the company, I mean, Raw has kind of become more of a development, an advanced developmental space where they can bring up the younger talent like uh, Carrillo and, and the like and let them kind of get over. And the fact is, the minute they start getting over, they're going to do another draft and they're going to send them to SmackDown. And then Raw's going to sit there and have to replenish their rankings with people that are not really ready for television because I'm sorry. I don't think Umberto Carrillo is ready to be on television yet. Angel Garza who made his first appearance on raw last or Monday night 
to me was more prepared to be on television than Carrillo. And he's been on television now for months. Well, let me ask you this. Is there someone in the ranks in the NXT that's right now you think could be that talent that maybe say by the end of this year or even the end of next year, that could be that one or two individuals that could actually put the WWE back into a positive direction once again. Easy Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole. And I'm going to say a little bit, go a different direction and say Keith Lee. Keith Lee, is someone, Keith Lee is someone I was not sold on for a, a good while. I was just thinking, I don't see what they see in this kid. But then after taking the time and watching him as he has progressed in NXT, he has really got the ability to put on some phenomenal matches with guys of all sizes. And you saw him standing in the, in the rumble with Lesnar and Lesnar looking at him and mouthing, boy, you're a big one. You know, I mean, it was finally somebody that was sizable enough. And it seems like maybe they're kind of starting to go back to the era of where we may see bigger talents start coming back in because, you know, with NXT, you've got now Keith Lee, you've got Dominic Dijakovic, who is, I think Dijakovic's going to be a star once they get him ready. I don't think you ever see, unfortunately, I don't think you ever, not, I don't even know if I want to say unfortunately, but I don't think you ever see Lars Sullivan back on WWF television or WWE television. But I think Adam Cole, I think bringing up the undisputed era, even bringing them in as faces at some point to put them up against Rollins and his, and the Monday night Messiah crew. I think that could be a hellacious feud and they need an established foursome to go up against them instead of just having these throw togethers like they have lately. Well, that leads me into this. I mean, you talked about the big man possibly coming back and, and having a focus on that. There was a big man that had a lot of potential that had a lot of the crowd behind him that better or for worse, you could say probably was mishandled. And that was Braun Strowman who just recently gained the intercontinental championship on SmackDown this past Friday. Is, is there any way that you can go ahead and salvage Braun Strowman and repackage him, starting with the Intercontinental Championship, and say, you know what, he's going to be someone that we can actually lead on the SmackDown side to even bigger heights. And he can actually get back on the trajectory he was once perceived to be by, I'm sure you guys, myself, just individuals out there that saw that he, we thought actually he could be that next big thing. I can salvage him right now with something simple have him have an injury leave him off the roster completely for a year leave him out until the royal rumble next year have him come back and have him win it the pop will be huge he will be fresh to the crowd again and you would see him as a legitimate threat I was going to say, have him beat honky tonk man's streak with the intercontinental title. That's possible. But the way that I just don't think they program the intercontinental championship. Like it even matters anymore. I mean, we knew Shinsuke had it, but when's the last time you saw an intercontinental title match before he defended the title against Braun Friday night. True. I do like the fact that they actually did finally commission a new championship. Um, by the way, WWE, if you're listening and you're commissioning new title belts, how about you give us a new United States title? God knows that thing needs to be freshened up. You can send the old one though this way. I'll, I'll take it from it. Yeah. 
I'll that is an ugly title. Yeah, <laughs> just to have one of those WWE titles would be. I even take the Hardcore Championship. You know, it doesn't matter. <laughs> send one my way. That's all I get. Just make sure you send me one with the snaps. I don't want the ones with the Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and exactly. I think that was that's pathetic because that makes their championships legitimately look like toys. Uh, and it, that's true. And that's true. And I could just, you know, when the first belt with Velcro came out, I could just see, you know, some of the old school wrestlers or, you know, just or others turning in their graves, just thinking about that. Just Velcro. Why? Why? That's it, it's funny because we were watching Raw Monday night and Rhea Ripley when she came out to confront Charlotte. We, I looked and I said, boy, they polished up that NXT women's title for the, for tonight. Or, or it could just be the fact that the, the arena is well enough lit that you can see the title pretty well, but that championship, the NXT championships look more prestigious than the main roster titles now, because they are still snaps. They're still a higher grade quality product. Yeah, absolutely. It's the whole package right now with NXT. Yes, it's not doing as well as AEW is right now, but there's still a lot more freshness and great feel when it comes to NXT than what's going on in the WWE at this point in time. I completely agree. AEW, to me, I'm anxious to see what they're going to do if they are going to pull the trigger and put the belt on uh, Moxley or if, if Jericho keeps it for a while longer. I'm anxious. I'm also anxious for the eventual breakup of Hangman Page and the feud that he would have with his now World Tag Team Championship partner in Kenny Omega. Also, but I'm also looking Cody at the Rhodes same. And, and, yeah, but Cody MJF, and MJF. But MJF, I think the future is with him. I think the fact that he can cut such a tremendous promo at such a young age. I think it's rare in the industry that that happens. There are some things with MJF I think you still have to go ahead and iron out. I think there's still some things that he has to work on in the ring and and his look and things of that nature. But, you know, the, the fact, there's no doubt that right now he's one of the best promos in professional wrestling or sports entertainment right now. And that's why I think that he's got a long road, a long future ahead of him. But with AEW, I think it's all about getting those – you know, past your top five, getting those six through 10, 10 through 15, 15 through 20, getting those stars up to a level that people feel confident that they can watch television and say, hey, they're not going to lose. They're not just going to go ahead and do the job for whoever it is they're facing off against. They need to build a depth that they don't have right now. Maybe they will over time, but they have to go ahead and build some stars underneath the top tier that's there that have to go ahead and become viable players within AEW for AEW to continue that success long-term, in my opinion. Exactly. And I think the fact that they're adding the second show is going to on television is going to help them there because it gives them the chance to get more exposure to the younger talents and the ones that we're not seeing on television every week. Absolutely. Right now you're in your top angles, but you're not seeing a lot of the talent on, on television on a regular basis. I mean, the one thing I will say, and I'm, I am not a fan of what the, the dark order thing. I don't know what's going on there. It just seems a little weird, 
although if the rumors that we hear are to be believed, I wouldn't be surprised if the person that ends up being behind the dark order is the former Luke Harper, who is now going to be known as, uh, what they change his name to Brody Lee, Brody Lee, which was his name on the Indies and in Ring of Honor before he signed with with the WWE. Well, that's the only thing, though. You got to be careful about which former WWE wrestlers you bring on, because then you get into that point where you're seen as a father. An impact or, knockoff. Exactly. You know that's the tricky part. You have to play. You have to build your own stars up to make them believable, but also. Sprinkle in that talent that can go ahead and keep things competitive with recognizable names that people can say, hey, that guy's legit, that that lady's legit, they can go ahead all out and make it enjoyable for AEW long term. So they're going to have to find that balance, and we'll have to see what kind of uh, things that they do over the course of the long term. But with the backing of TNT, it looks like that their future, short term at least for the next two, three years, is going to be a very good one for AEW. I think you're exactly right. I think though, the big thing to me there, and I know this is going to be a lot of people are probably going to agree with us. Once we say this thunder cookies and I've both said that the biggest weakness they have right now is their women's division is just not right. They, they've got to go out and find some established, some good talent, or at least start putting more of the talent on television. They've got some great, Japanese talent, but the only one they seem to be interested in doing with is Rio right now. And they want so desperately for everybody to get behind, uh, what's her, the native beast, uh, uh Nyla Rose and Nyla Rose is a walking botch factory <laughs> to say the least. Well, once again, I'm on with the great guys from the heavyweight chumps podcast and also check out their show each week at radio memphis.com. It's a great station, and I hope you get a chance to follow it whenever they're on the air. Plus, also, you can check out their podcast at any time, anywhere you get your podcasts. All right, guys, before we head on out, I want to hear your thoughts on your show, what you have coming up, why should people check it out. I check it out. You know, I want you to let everyone out there know why they should follow you guys at the Heavyweight Chumps. Well, just looking ahead to the um, the radio show in itself, we've got Jack O'Holloran for anybody who was a Superman fan or the, of the original Superman, the Christopher Reeve films will remember him as non the gigantic brute that was with the three Kryptonians in the original two. Uh, also a former boxer. He was, uh, uh, actually was up for the role of jaws in the bond franchise originally and turned it down to do Superman. We had, we've got him coming on, on next Tuesday night's program. I I'm looking forward to everybody getting a chance to hear that interview. He is a there's, I'm going to tell you something. You're, you're going to learn some things about him. You didn't know, like the fact that, uh, his father was Albert Anastasia of the, uh, Philadelphia mob families. Ooh, very interesting. Uh, then we've also got the guy that does all of our music, uh, Mr. Tony Maynard has a video called fool from Memphis and uh, thunder cookies. And I both have a role in that video. We're going to be on screen for that, potentially hosting the Q and a after that one, we've got a lot of, a lot of good things lined up. Uh, if you didn't get the chance, um, and I know this is going to air on a Friday. So if you didn't get the chance to hear this past Tuesday, you missed a phenomenal interview with the great Tito Santana. 
and Tito was a tremendous interview. He was just such a, a likable guy. And I've got to say, we've had some tremendous success. We've got, uh, Bill Kirkenbauer coming up for those from the old TGI Friday lineup on ABC that would remember just the 10 of us. Uh, and a stand-up comedian who used to work with Gallagher is going to be on. We've also got Susan Lanier for anybody who is a classic horror fan. We'll remember her as the mother in the 1977 original version of The Hills Have Eyes. We've also got Joe Alves, who was the technical director for Jaws, and he also directed Jaws 3 is coming up. We've got uh, Carl Gottlieb, who actually wrote The Jerk and uh, wrote was also one of the writers on Spies Like Us is coming on the show. Uh, we've got a good lineup ahead of us. We've got a full calendar, so it's a, it's a fun time for the show. If you get the chance to listen to us, especially for Radio Memphis, on radio-memphis.com on Tuesdays at 10 p.m. Central, we have gone to a two-hour format. Uh, it is the Heavyweight Chumps Radio Hour XXL, and you can also, as you've said, on all your podca podcatchers, you can find us, and it is off script with the heavyweight chumps. We finally felt like we should give the podcast a proper name of its own, and that's where you'll hear us talking to more of the independent scene guys, the, the indie actors and actresses, other podcasters that are friends of ours. We're having a lot of fun with the show, and I think it just really comes through, and hopefully you guys are enjoying it. And I'm even getting Thunder Cookies to talk more, believe it or not. Yes, I speak. <laughs> you do indeed. You do indeed. You got to get as much credit as you can as well. So you got, you're going to have Carl Gottlieb, you said, a writer of The Jerk? Yes. Better get your phone books ready. <laughs> the new phone book's here. The new phone book is here. Oh, my gosh. Once again, I'm on with the heavyweight chumps. They are Devin and Thunder Cookies. You got to catch them today wherever you get your podcasts and also two hours each week at RadioMemphis.com. It's great talking to you as always. I want you guys to come on in the not too distant future whenever you guys can. I know you guys got a busy schedule, all these great guests that you've got lined up. But if you can, we should talk more about what's going on with the WWE, AEW, WrestleMania, or whatever you guys want to talk about, pop culture. You know, there's just so much to talk about with you guys because you guys seem to know everything out there when it goes on in pop culture as well. I mean, Star Wars, we can talk about the summer movies, television. We know just enough movies. to screw it up, to be honest. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, that's... <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't even know close to that much. So you guys are one up on me every single time. All right, Gerald. Thanks. We always Thank appreciate you. it. Guys, it's just been so great having you on the program. As always, looking forward to having you guys return to the show very soon, right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the PCC Multiverse to close out the show. This is Gerald Glassford coming right back at you along with my good friend, Mr. Josh Peterson. Before we head on out, two big subjects to talk about, and that is the news this week that there's been a replacement 
that Marvel has most likely found to direct Doctor Strange 2. And it's a kind of like a Marvel name from the past, but from the Sony past in Sam Raimi. So I want to hear your thoughts. What was your reaction when you heard the news that Sam Raimi could be coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe? You know, I actually pondered this for a long time. You know, I spent probably a good 15 to 20 minutes thinking about this, actually. And I'm I'm okay with it. You know, it's like Sam Raimi likes things that are weird and he likes things that are, are spooky and dark. And it sounds like the uh, Doctor Strange's uh, multiverse madness or whatever they're calling it is is kind of the thing he needs. You know, it's not it's not Spider-Man. He's not really in any danger of of messing up a property because Doctor Strange just the uh, by the nature of it is. You know, and where this movie's going is like it's a ripe orchard for him. Like it's a it's a blank slate, and he loves to create. You know, you even go back to the days of Evil Dead, right? They have the 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 tree roots and the the hand running around the cabin, and you have the people just going crazy. Like he likes that kind of thing. This is this is a film he can own, especially with the backing of Marvel. Like it could be great. Like it could be something that crosses generations. Where's Bruce Campbell when you need him? Right. Hey, I guarantee you he will have a cameo in that movie. So will his brother. Who's his brother? Ted Raimi. Okay, I thought you were talking about Bruce Campbell's brother. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. There's always another Raimi around when he goes ahead with his films. But I am excited for Sam Raimi coming there. I think it's something that he still has a lot left in the tank. I mean, it's something that you really haven't heard too much about as far as Sam Raimi directing films in the recent past. I mean, I know he was part of a a producer on a film that really wasn't very good that came out within the past few months that did not get very much acclaim or money for that matter. But as a director, it's something that I think a lot of people still have very fond memory of the evil dead series and what, and the original Spider-Man's that came out in the earlier part of the century. So I think that there's a lot that Sam Raimi could do for the series. And I think he's an excellent choice because as we've seen with Evil Dead, he's able to do what very few directors can do. And that is combined, uh, you know, a great mix of horror and comedy all at the same time. Yeah. And, and, and again, like that feels like what is needed for Doctor Strange 2. We keep talking about what's going to make Marvel feel fresh. I think somebody like Sam Raimi is going to be the one to do it because maybe what keeps it fresh this time is a little bit of the old, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm just excited for Sam Raimi being now part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe if it ultimately ends up being the case because exactly for this film, it is a spot-on match because of what he's done in the past. So I'm looking forward to it. I think he'll bring a new dynamic from an old dynamic if that makes any sense, that he has done before, I think it'll bring a fresh look to the Marvel Cinematic Universe that I know they were hoping for with Scott Derrickson. And in this case, I think it might end up being better for the Doctor Strange series in the long run if he directs this one. Whether or not he directs anything else in the future with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, that remains to be seen. But this could be something, and I'm hoping, mind you, I'm speculating, this could be something similar to what we saw with Thor Ragnarok and the energy and the juice Taika Waititi gave the Marvel Cinematic Universe with something fresh and different approach that he brought to the Marvel Cinematic Universe when Thor Ragnarok came around. What are your thoughts out there on Sam Raimi coming to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and possibly directing Doctor Strange 2? 
Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, before we head on out, I just want to give a big thank you to Devin and Thunder Cookies, the heavyweight chumps, for being on the show, talking WWE and pro wrestling on this week's program. Got a lot of stuff to talk to you about on Monday's show, including the results of Birds of Prey and how well it translated to dollars at the box office. So definitely we'll give you an update on that and so much more on our Monday show, The Pop Culture Gospels. It's the Oscars on Sunday. Well, let's start off with the best picture, my friend. Ford versus Ferrari, The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, 1917, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Parasite. I'll start it with you. I know you've only seen a couple of these films, but of the two that you saw in this list, did either one of them grab you enough to say, hey, this is the best movie I could have seen in 2019? Yes. 1917 is definitely up there. Like I had said before, you know, I, a lot of the movies I'd seen in 2019 had left me disappointed, right? And now I went to see 1917 today and I was impressed by it. I was kind of blown out of the water by it. So, yeah, I mean, I think that 1917 is worthy of an award. I do want still want to watch Ford vs. Ferrari, which I, I'm hoping to get to this week. But, yeah, I mean, I think 1917, like Sam Mendes, did an amazing job. The acting's amazing. Editing's great. Like, they did a great job capturing the uh, incoherency that I imagine one might face when running through a battlefield. And the score is just amazing. It's so good. And they did a good job of like incorporating the score into the, what's happening in the movie. So, yes, it's it's got there's nothing about that film that I didn't like. As for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, I think you and I are kind of on the same page about this. It's kind of it's lackluster. It has its moments that make it entertaining, to say the least. It's not I don't think it's best film of the year material because it's not his best film. Yeah, and it's just it has a lot of big name actors in it, and it's a Tarantino film, and he's a big actor, and I think that's kind of why it got nominated. But what surprises me is the Jojo Rabbit's up there. I mean, that's I still want to see that one, but you know, Taika Waititi is not he he makes those comedies, and he's not really Oscar material usually, so it surprised me to see him there. I mean, more power to him. I'm glad he's up there, but I just that surprises me to see that there. I did see Jojo Rabbit, and I can say that it is. Pretty good. Not great for me, but pretty good. I thought there were some good performances in there. We've spoken before about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, also a very good film, but nothing that was really just made you say, oh, wow, this is the best thing I've seen this year. Although the ending, I just absolutely loved. Such an amusing twist of what actually happened in real life. I did see Ford versus Ferrari. I thought it was so beautifully shot and Matt Damon and Christian Bale did a very good job in their roles, so I thought that was a pretty good film as well. I still think Parasite was the best of these films, but I don't think it's going to win. I think it is going to be 1917. Of the films, I think it's probably the safest bet to take home the Oscar. Lead actor, my friend, we've got Antonio Banderas, Leonardo DiCaprio, Adam Driver, Joaquin Phoenix, and Jonathan Price. That's a pretty heavy-duty list, my friend, but I think Joaquin Phoenix in the movie that's pretty much was set up for him to be the man, I think Joaquin Phoenix is going to take it home this Sunday. And I definitely don't think Leonardo DiCaprio is worthy of a best lead actor. Well, I wouldn't even really consider him the lead actor in that the, movie. I think he was the lead actor. I just don't think it's his best performance. I just don't think he was... I think he was nominated because he's Leo. I think it was a good performance, 
I think it was a very good performance. I just think there were better performances from lead actors out there. I thought Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems was a better performance than Leonardo's. So that's to give you a right there. But then again, Adam Sandler, they don't seem to have love for. So that's beside the point. Lead actress, you got Cynthia Erivo in Harriet, Scarlett Johansson in Marriage Story, Sawyer's Ronan in Little Women, Charlize Theron in Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger in Judy. I think Renee Zellweger is going to win it for her portrayal of Judy Garland, but Marriage Story is a very good film with two great performances in it, but I don't think Scarlett's going to win for this role. I think it's just a lot of support is behind Renee Zellweger at this time. Supporting actor, it's Tom Hanks, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Anthony Hopkins in The Two Popes, Al Pacino in The Irishman, Joe Pesci in The Irishman, and Brad Pitt, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Brad Pitt has been winning all the awards, so I think he is the major reason why Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is so good, and I think that he should get the Oscar. And the last but not least, my friend, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and share your final thoughts. Kathy Bates in Richard Jewell, Laura Dern in Marriage Story, Scarlett Johansson in Jojo Rabbit, Florence Pugh, who could be the next Black Widow for long term in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if for Little Women, and Margot Robbie in Bombshell. Laura Dern was very good in Marriage Story, but I, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go with Scarlett Johansson and Jojo Rabbit in kind of like an upset. So I think she's going to go ahead and get something because she's nominated twice. I think it's going to be for Jojo Rabbit. I think that's the safer call. And then last but not least, my friend, before you go ahead and take over, Martin Scorsese, The Irishman, Todd Phillips, Joker, Sam Mendes, 1917, Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Boong Joon-ho in Parasite. Again, Parasite was the best movie of the year of the ones that are on the list. So I'm going to go with Boong Joon-ho, but I don't think he'll win it. I think, like you, probably are going to say Sam Mendes for 1917. Yeah, I do think Sam Mendes deserves the award for 1917. You know, just from what I've heard, things about the Irishman or Irishman and uh, you like Joker a lot. But I feel like, you know, 1917 is kind of one of those rare historical flicks that we don't really get a lot of these days. And he did it so well. And he, he did it in a way that, like, I feel like I, as someone who does care about history, I feel like someone who doesn't really care about history would go into it and come out caring about history because he did a good job of telling a story that he wasn't alive for. Something that was, you know, as a story passed down from from I want to say like a, a family member because I have the same name, you know, Mendez. But he did a great job of storytelling there, you know, as someone who he directed the film, I think he wrote it he hits all the boxes for good filmmaking. So I would definitely like to see him get something. It does, I mean, if he doesn't get best director, I'd like to see 1917 go home with, with something at least. I'll tell you what, I'm not going to disagree with you on that. It looks like an epic film. I'm glad you enjoyed it immensely. And I'm thinking 1917 is going to take a nice share of the Oscars in best picture and best director come Sunday. What are your thoughts out there on the Oscars? Do you have any predictions on who might take home the gold statues? Let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Also as well, PopCultureCosmos, Humanic Media, and GameSource on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. Well, it's been another awesome episode. A lot of great stuff going on in pop culture. Really starting to get into it. 2020 is here. Hopefully some good things happening not in the not-too-distant future. Any last thoughts on the way out, my friend? Uh, not at the moment. I mean, like you said, a lot of cool things happening in 2020 so far. You know, 1917 was my first movie that I've watched this year, but it was a 2019 movie. So 
still waiting to see my first big 2020 movie. As for shows, I don't know if you've gotten a chance to watch Ragnarok on Netflix yet, but it is just fantastic. It's probably my new obsession right now, so I'm hoping they'll make another season. But yeah, 2020 is looking pretty good at the moment. No, I haven't had a chance to see that yet. I put that on my list because I am hopefully over the weekend going to see that one. And also as well, Warrior on Cinemax. I know you wanted me to go ahead and check out both those shows. So definitely we'll be going ahead and making the effort to do so. Maybe even talk about it on Monday. You never know. And for films, my friend, love is in the air. What a greater thing to do on Valentine's Day coming up than watching Sonic the Hedgehog to let the love bloom out. Wait, was that, is there a pun that I haven't quite caught yet? No, no. You just got to be grabbing the rings if that's the case. Uh, I see what you did. This, this show is turning me blue. Yeah, there you go. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great. Hey, Adam Thomas. Yes, Thomas Mariani. You know how there are podcasts about bad movies? Yeah. And also podcasts about good movies? Yeah. Well, what if a podcast could cover both? What? Listen to Double Edge Double Bill, where a random selected yin and yang of a double feature is picked and then picked apart. Now, who came up with this wacky idea? Adam, we did. That's our show. I'm learning something new every day. Listen to us on the ESO Network and wherever podcasts are available. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.